and then we're going to talk about like what are some of the things you're doing now. So I'm actually probably going to start off with like, hey, what'd you do before you get into mortgage? You know, how long you been in mortgage? What was your first gig in mortgage? When did you decide to start originating? When did you decide when or why did you decide to build a team? What's your team look like now? Dude, you've already done 20 million this year. What's the secret sauce? That sort of stuff. Oh shit, I did 20 million? Cool. <laughs> well, as of right now, as of at, through Saturday, you've done 18.1. That was last Is that his Saturday. branch or him? That's that he's he's up top. The branch has done almost 23. Oh, okay. That's a week okay. ago Saturday. Yeah, okay. Right. So yeah, you you've already qualified for the 2021 President's Club. We're here for the award. Can I get the award out there, please? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool, man. 20, uh, 2021 fly-in first award so winner. So congrats. I think Oh, one I'm of, the first one. Oh, no, you're like the fifth, but you're. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, there's. I think there's five or six who've already qualified. Um, I heard I won 2020 too, right? I won 2020. That's 20, pretty cool. What was that? I won the 2021 from last year. Yeah, you. You. I. I I'm not disc- the the awards banquets tomorrow. You can yes, watch it tomorrow. Hang your hang tight there. You know Chris, dude. I know Chris he Lee, already already I told you to him shit. Yeah. I told, I tell, uh, you know, Chris and I talk about him quite a bit, but, um, one of the great things about Greg is like, he's probably one of the most coachable people we have, you know, awesome. and which I, which I think is part of, you know, what's helping him be successful. He, he's not like one of those, my way is the only way I'm smarter than all of you, you know, yeah. he's willing to see the big picture and, and then you know, make decisions on his own. Chris and I were talking hardcore. Are oh, you guys going to eat tacos else. in front of us? <laughs> what? Are you serious? These guys are going to eat Taco Bell right here. They always oh, that's, that's, shit. That's fucked up. I'm going to start that's drooling here. Like, what the hell? Dude. <laughs> Kyle's got, he's just cracked over the Man, beer. what are you eating over there, Kyle? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to be on a, uh, a world-renowned uh, YouTube show, uh, podcast. These guys eating. Are we ready? Oh, we've been talking about tacos while we're rolling. Ooh. I like tacos. One second. I just got to approve a CD. Hold on one second. <laughs> this guy. We're All about right. to go live on a podcast. Hey man, this He's is, like, this hey, is time a out. world famous time out. show. I've got to approve a CD. I'm good. I'm good. I just had to do okay. it. I'm obsessed with my job. All right. I'm right. close What's with the hat, by no. the way? Keep yeah. it on. Hey, did you even look at the CD before you approved it, or did you just that, approve that it? That took like a half a second. That took like a half a second. No mistake there. Come on. the number <laughs> that's funny yeah. man it is hot in here all right you ready to get going yeah all right let's do it this is me right here all right um what's up b love what's up man what's up with you all right welcome to another episode of the contacts to contracts podcast i am brian lovell always here with Mr. John Jones. What's up, What's up dude? I'm doing amazing. How are awesome. you? Doing well. So uh, we got a cool podcast planned for everybody today. We have uh, a series. John, you came up with an idea of, hey, let's talk to a couple LOs who've been in the business for like two, three years yep. that are absolutely slaying it. Mm-hmm. And let's talk to them about what their secret what sauce is. What their secret sauce is, absolutely. So uh, we're going to bring in Greg Morga. Uh, Greg, dude, welcome. What's up, guys? How are you? Not too bad. So Greg hails all the New way Jersey. from New Jersey. And throughout this podcast, you probably won't be able to figure that out on your own at all. So that was what, that was why I figured we should tell our listeners where Greg is from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Dude, so all right, listen, man. Uh, appreciate you joining us. New dad. Yes, sir. Booming business. Yes, sir. Busy, busy. Opening a new location, I believe. Um, yes, dude, sir. you got a lot going on. So um, thanks for letting us slow you down for about 30 minutes and kind of talk to you about what's up. So, dude, how, how long you been uh, how long you been in this mortgage gig? Um, I've been a loan originator on my own since April 2019. That's when I went out on my own. So you, um, you've been, been originating since so April two thousand and nineteen. So we're at about the just over the two year mark. Yeah, yeah so, just over two years. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. How many total? How much total time do you have, like encompassing all roles in the mortgage business? I started as an LP in February two thousand seventeen. Okay, so basically two years as a loan processor, decided to jump into. Um, well, I wasn't. I, yeah, I wasn't a processor. I was just like a loan partner because I didn't know anything. Partner. Okay. All right. They got hired to pick up the guy's lunch, literally. Like okay. I, you got hired to pick up what? So that was be, that was an enticing lunch. offer. So they hired you to pick up lunch prior to doing the pickup of lunch. What were you doing? What was your previous life uh, pre mortgage? Uh, um, I worked at AT and T for about five years in sales management. Um, you know, in New York and uh, New Jersey. Um, okay. I was doing that for a little bit. Um, I actually wanted to become a realtor. So when I made the decision to leave AT&T because I just wanted a better, you know, a, a career where you had to take a little bit more risk. Um, I left AT&T and went to a solar company for about three months just so that wow. I had time to take the class for the real estate exam. Okay. Um, and I passed the exam, you know, I was getting ready to join Keller Williams and I, I, I played poker a lot. And I was in a poker club <laughs> and uh, I was just playing poker and you know, hearing people talk. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, what we're doing with our, our work and everything. And long story short, there was a guy there that uh, ran his own mortgage brands. And he knew that I was working at AT&T and, you know, AT&T had a lot to do with like plan structure, what's the best plan for you, what's the most savings and everything like that. And he just, he just kind of like in jest was like, why don't you do mortgages? You definitely seem more inclined to be on the mortgage side than real estate. Sure. And honestly, um, about two to three weeks later from just in my head, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to message this guy. Something's telling me to just message this guy and learn a little bit more about it. And, uh, I messaged him, went in for an interview. He, you know, he told me what the, what the, the job entailed and how it looked and it would take a while to build up. And for just some reason, from the grace of God, I decided that taking an $18 an hour job for wow. 40 hours a week was better than my, you know, current 75,000 job uh you know seventy five thousand a year job um and i the rest is just history that's pretty much where i started um do you want me to go into the career yet or do you want me to pause yeah i mean so let's let's pause there for a second so obviously you spent some time in sales before you got into the mortgage business but like your first taste in the mortgage business was as a loan partner which sounds like a, a branch manager or a top producer like, what your role look like? Like, what were some of the things that you were doing there? So the main stuff that I was doing was literally admin work. Um, I wasn't – so what happened was this guy hired me because he needed someone to pretty much fill in the role of taking care of the loan officer's needs with, like, printing out disclosures. You know, there's a lot of loan originators there that were older, you know, 50s, early 60s. Hey, hey, that easy. Still did everything by paper. <laughs> 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 everything by paper. So my job was, his idea was I would learn the loan industry by doing a lot of administrative tasks yeah, just to yeah. learn the, uh, 
the ideas, but then on the flip side, do stuff that nobody else wants to do. So, you know, get everybody's mulligans order. That was the name of the restaurant. I have to get a mulligan. <laughs> now, uh, collect everyone's money, put the order in. If there was meetings, I'd have to go get the pizza, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Hey, Greg, take care of the conference room. Clean it up a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Greg, Wow. So how, how did you like, how did you like that? Yeah. How did you like that job? Um, I will be honest with you, man. Um, I don't want to get too personal here, but at that time I had a humongous, um, personal problem that I was going through for about five to six years. I was at the crux of, uh, ending that problem and I wasn't in a good place mentally. Um, I, I figured, you know, I, I, I'll just tell it. Uh, (laughs) I had a uh, I had a gambling problem for about seven years. A really, really, really bad gambling problem uh, that almost cost me my wife. Almost caught I mean, lost all my money. All, you know, a lot of relationships. Um, had to file a bankruptcy and everything like that. I was at a very low point in my life, and um, I had to come to a decision where, do I want this bankruptcy to you know be the end story of my story? You know, the yeah. final chapter and. Um, so I think at that time when I saw this job and I saw the opportunity, I saw other people being successful and seeing them live their lives and making very good money and not having to work 18 to 20 hours a day like I was at AT&T, driving up to Staten Island to make you know 60000 a year, right? living in Jersey, right? Um, I think I just said, you know what? Um, why not? Why, why can't I do it? Why, if they can do it, why can't I? And um, I think once you reach the bottom, you really start realizing that you can't take stuff for granted and that hard work does pay yeah. off and um i think it was just a kick in the ass that i needed so at that time when i took that job i wasn't happy with picking up people's lunch i wasn't happy with uh you know having to listen to orders when i was a manager for five six years yeah. other people asking me for advice but yeah. i'll tell you this um i need a little bit of uh humbleness because yeah. i need to remember that you know i'm not in that i'm, I'm not invincible um, I'm not always going to have people help me out financially when I make mistakes. And you know what? I had to start from the bottom and I had to work my way up. So dude, was I happy with story. myself? Yeah, dude, you're blowing my mind right yeah, now. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I love it, man. For you to be transparent like that and just say, hey, I needed to eat some humble pie, start in some humble beginnings and mm-hmm. start over. Like as we unpack the rest of the story about what you're doing now, people are going to be blown away <laughs> by this. Yeah. Um, I'm I, I already am. I can't wait to get to the to the to the <laughs> crux of this now, right? So, so, dude. So you start off as a loan partner working hourly, which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Learn Like, when did you start to learn a little bit about the mortgage business? So, I mean, you got to remember, I was at my low point in my life, and I really, you know, I'm seeing my friends in the crux of their careers at 29 and 28, making more money, moving up in the company, and I'm starting all over with no money, a wife that barely wanted to stay with me, but just did because of her history, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to learn this as fast as I possibly can, you know? So the, the one thing that Jeff, oh man, uh, the branch manager made me do was call a Zillow lead. Um, okay. and try to like, you know, I couldn't really do anything because I wasn't a loan originator, but just set appointments to do leads. So I used to run these Excel sheets too. He had everything on databases. So I used to, you know, save the database and I was like, you know what, I'm going to be the guy that gets the most Zillow appointments and, you know, make this guy's business go up 30%, right? Wow. I didn't even want to get paid on it. I just had that goal, right? Because I never thought about the money because if you think about the money, that's when you fail. Yep. That's one thing I would always say. You just wanted so, to win. 
Yeah, you just want to win. That's exactly it's a win. Everything's a win. And I, I learned that from AT&T because they used to make us write stuff on the board. Like if you sold the phone, you wrote phone. And, you, and I, I remember I always wanted to go to that whiteboard. I always wanted to go up and write a number and have everyone see me write that number. And I wanted that number to be so big that everyone was like, how the hell did that guy do it? So I wanted to do that in the mortgage industry. Um, so I would call, set appointments. And then honestly, man, I just, I always ask for forgiveness rather than permission. So, I mean, I started meeting with realtors and pretending I was a loan officer because I would do it under, you know, I would do it under branch manager, you know, Hey, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm pretending, by the way, he's not pretending anymore. He is legit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't mean like. I'm, I'm teasing you, brother. Yeah. I'm teasing. Yeah, like in my head, I was pretending I'm a loan officer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, a loan officer meets realtors. A loan officer goes to open houses. A loan officer calls leads and follows up with them and sets appointments. Yeah. No, nothing wrong with doing any of that. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so what happened was as I was doing that, I was also studying for the MLO test, you know, because, you know, his plan was I probably wouldn't pass it in two years. Right. But uh, I wanted to pass as fast as I could. So I would study for it, learn the terminology from printing disclosures. What is this? What is this form? What does this mean? What is a 1003? Why is this on there? What do I need? How do I calculate? How do I calculate margins? I'll never forget my branch manager, like my second week, I was asking about like margin compression. And he was mm-hmm. like, What are you doing? You don't even know what an FHA yeah. is. Dude, but now <laughs> you can that, right? you know, now you can yeah. add, <laughs> subtract, divide, and multiply in eights at in, in your head. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mortgage man. I know. I always sit down with my kids, you know, doing fractions, and uh, you know, I'm like, you're you're saying to yourself right now, Dad, why do I have to learn these fractions? And Dad yeah. is telling you, if you if you get into this business, you're going to be able to do everything by eights, like lickety yeah, split. Yeah. <laughs> right. Still knocking out on the abacus. Yes. <laughs> Old school. So, I mean, that's pretty, I mean, how I started getting the terminology was just by doing it, you know, and um, little by little learning one thing, obviously making mistakes and having them fixed because, you know, ironically, I don't know if you know this, but Harry Houghton was the one training me, my assistant. I don't know if you know that story. No, I did not. Harry Houghton was the assistant for my branch manager, and she was the one who trained me on everything. She trained me on how to take an app, how to collect documents, what everything was and it just you know i mean you'll learn at the end of the story how crazy life is but you know i mean you know what five years i mean three years later she's now working for me yeah yeah (laughs) that's great that's great so um, go ahead greg no that's i mean that's that's pretty much what i did and then you know maybe a year later i took my test i passed it the first time uh which was i mean that was congratulations thank you i remember driving home and saying oh my god maybe maybe i do have another chapter maybe i'm not a loser maybe i'll actually and at that time man i you know i was just hoping to make decent money just to be able to afford a mortgage you know ironically you know i didn't want to be a loser i didn't want to be the guy that the wife makes more money and you know i'm riding on her coattails you know so that was a huge step for me and then once i got my license i uh i got my license in 2018 just to be clear um but i was still working under my marriage manager for better part of the next year where if i got a loan i got like a very 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 small percentage on it and then i would you know i had a salary and make some rider off of um, the branch manager but what started happening was i was developing this relationship so early meet you know meeting the junior agents of my branch managers mass you know super agents i guess you would call them and you know we became friends you know mm-hmm. you know we were just talking before the podcast about golfing i'm going golfing with them tomorrow yeah the, the, the same guys i talked to three four years ago 
you know? Yeah. Um, so I was, I was, you know, I was getting to the point where I was getting like maybe two to three to four a month, but I started starting to grow. And I said, you know, I, I really think I could just do this on my own at this point. You know, yeah. I didn't want, I didn't go into this industry to be salary and play it safe. I wanted to change the course of me and my family's life. Yeah. You know? So, um, I remember telling my, uh, branch manager and he said, I think you're ready too. I think you'll be okay. Let's start you April 1st. And uh, I started April 1st, 2019 is when I was officially, you know, a uh, loan originator on my own. Wow. Okay. So April, yeah. 2019, do you remember by any chance what your production was in your first year? Absolutely. It was 36 for 12.3 million, I think. So you did 12.3 million your first year in 2000, well, eight months of 2019. Correct. All right. Yes. Do you know what you did in 2020? I think I did 118 for 37 million. Okay. I, was that close? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, not, 37 or 36. All right. And so far this year, I believe, you know, through the middle of May, over 20 million in production already for the year. So, yeah. so dude. we just want to say congratulations yeah. to hitting the President's Club 2021. Yeah. Um, award. Yeah, congratulations. So, dude, that's crazy, man. So that's a short period of time to be doing that kind of production. Congratulations to you. Uh, uh, hopefully, man, you, you take the time to give yourself a pat on the back. You completely changed the course of your life. Like outside of this business and those accomplishments, that was the most important thing that you did. Yeah. Right. And uh, completely changed the course of your life. And now you've got a young son. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you get an opportunity to do the same thing uh, for him, too, man. So congratulations, yeah, dude. Yeah. That's a, that's an you. awesome story. So, Thank you. Greg, share with us a little bit. Um, like, you know, so you're right now you're, you're you've got a team. But before it was a team and it was just you as a single LO, like where did your business come from? Like what? I, I know it's coming primarily from real estate or referral partners, but where are you meeting these folks at? How are you developing those relationships? So, I mean, I, I tell you, I'm about 95% referral based right now. And I, I mean, that's a proud number. I'm very proud of that number more than any other number, because what that means is that people trust me. Yep. And um, I, I think when I got into the industry, I kind of had a, how am I going to stand out to be different stance? And I think I just rolled with that a little bit more aggressively than others. And uh, the two things that I think stand out was that number one, I am younger than most loan originators. I mean, when I started, I was 30, you know, and I don't even think that's really that young in the grand scheme of things, but in the industry, I know the average is way older because I saw what my competition was. Out there, yeah, right? sure. So, so I wanted to primarily work with, younger realtors because I felt like I emphasized more with them and I emphasized more with probably most of their clientele. Right. So how did I approach it that way? I approached it by being a millennial loan officer. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean just about technology because my old company wasn't really that much technology in my, my eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. It was more about caring for their needs and being there and letting them know that I'm going to take care of them. Right. So, with mine, I built a lot of rapport with my clients to the point where they would want to work with that realtor and refer the realtor because they like their referral. Part. So my whole thing was, I'm never going to ask for business. I'm going to do such a good job and be such a good crutch for my partners that they will want to work with me, whether it's being their friend, 
whether it's being someone that's fun to talk to, whether it's someone that always picks up their phone and gives them an update that's communicative. But also, I started realizing the second factor was that a lot of lenders out there are, I don't want to say anything bad, but there's definitely a lower bar set out there, I believe, for a lot of loan officers. Um, I agree. There's a lot of loan officers that they don't answer their phone. They wait five days to call you back. They don't care. They don't follow up. If the lead isn't ready to buy right away, they don't do it. They take too long. Uh, they get annoyed with realtors. They don't answer them. They don't keep them updated. They let their processing. I, I never ran my business that way, right? Mm -hmm. I always ran it where I'm going to be the front end, right? Now, <laughs> obviously, when you grow, right, you have to adapt and you have to let your team do a little bit more. But at that time, I wasn't big enough, so I didn't. I didn't want to. I, I remained humble. You know what I mean? Um, so I think what happened was is that a lot of realtors do trust me. Um, and I think that they understand that I'm actually on their side. I'm not saying, hey, the lender does all the work. You should read some stuff you see online where lenders are talking about how bad, you know, realtors don't really know what they're doing and they're not doing their job. And honestly, I sometimes think realtors work harder than us. I mean, they're the ones out every weekend. They're the yeah. ones out at night. You know, some of my best friends are realtors. And I'll tell you right now, the it's one thing that out there right now. is lazy. They're not lazy. Yeah. Now, no successful realtor is lazy. They work their asses off. All weekend long. That's right. Yeah. And most of the time, they don't even get paid for half of the stuff that they get. Yeah. So to me, Great why job. wouldn't I help the realtor when the realtor is sending me the business? The, the client isn't the customer. The client is the referral partner. So what happened was I believe that you know a lot of realtors saw that, and they, they were more inclined to introduce me to their friends just because I was a nice guy and I helped them. And they know that I'm a genuine person. You know, I mean, I don't really think I do anything special. I think I just do my job. And, um, and listen, do I make mistakes? Absolutely. I am the closest thing from perfect, both in personal life and in the finance, you know, the, the mortgage world. But I own up to it and I find a, and I find a solution and I keep everyone up. And I, I really do just think that because of that, organically, more people wanted to work with me. And I think that's what has grown my referral basis from a customer standpoint and a, you know, realtor, financial mm -hmm. advisor, attorney standpoint. <clears throat> that's where I think I, uh, that's why I have a lot of referrals right now. But. Okay, cool. So what was the catalyst or where were you at in the decision-making process when you decided to go from single LO to starting to grow a team? So you, you had mentioned you had worked with a partner that you have on your team now, Carrie, um, in, in some different roles. So you guys are still together now. I'm not sure whether she was your, your first teammate or not. But what, well, made, you, what made you decide to, hey, I, if I'm going to continue to grow this business, I got to start to put some people around me to help me get there. Well, when, you know, you, I'm sure every lender can relate. You, you know, when you need to have more help, you, you reach this turn, you reach this point in your career and it's happened to me multiple times. And then I've had to make, uh, you know, changes, right. I'm going through that right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, you know, when the capacity level is so high that you can't operate at the level that got you the business in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was closing at one point, you know, I think it was, I was getting to the point where I was closing 12 to 13 to 11, you know, loans a month and I didn't have an assistant and I needed a little bit more resources and long story short, without talking bad or anything like that, I wasn't, we weren't in agreement with me and my company with what I needed and what they could provide. Okay. So what the first thing you start doing is you start talking to other companies and seeing what's out there, you know, for, for the sake of your business and the sake of your, you know, your referral fund. So, mm -hmm. You know, I met, I happened to run into, you know, Crystal Lena and we talked and, you know, all the things that I felt were shortfalls in my business production, it seemed that Van Dyke Mortgage had the cure for it. 
And, you know, you always get a little scared because, you know, the recruiting game is just telling you the best thing. You're never going to recruit and say, no, we're not good at that. Right. You, know? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a lot of trust. And at the time, I mean, you know, you mentioned I'm a father. You know, my, my wife was ready to have the kid in October, and I'm talking about making a humongous transition right yeah. before that. I mean, you would think I'm nuts, but I've just always lived my life where an opportunity comes. Yeah, yeah it, so- it sounds yeah. like you you work without a net pretty regularly. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gambler at heart, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just decided that you know I feel like I had enough volume where I could contribute more and take on more responsibility, which means more opportunity. You know, the main thing too was I knew that if I was going to get more market share with you know, referral partners, and instead of having 60% of their business, maybe be able to contribute to get 80 or 90 or 100% of the business. I knew that there were certain things that a branch manager can do that a single LO doesn't have the opportunity to without having to ask. I don't want to ask anybody. I wanted to be able to provide it on my own reconnaissance. So that's when I finally decided that, um, you know, because at first when I was leaving the company, I was really just looking for a better opportunity ops wise. But then, you know, when Chris brought up this opportunity, particularly here at Van Dyke, at first I was scared because I was brand new. But then when you realize that everybody has to start, you're never going to have the right time to actually take on new things and be uncomfortable. I saw the benefits of having my own ownership. And I feel like that has definitely grown my business too, because I can contribute. Yeah. Dude, you just made a connection for me, and uh, we were talking a little bit before we got on that um, you're just you're you're very coachable, and <laughs> here's now I forget my point I was gonna make. So this is why we edited this. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, I was gonna say in terms of uh, what was the point he just made? Dang it! You're never gonna be ready. Never the right time. Boom, like. You know, like the the connection just made for me, you know, we were talking about, you know, Greg being pretty coachable, like he's willing to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. And a lot of times when you need to make a change in your business or you need to take on something new and you're a little bit scared, like Greg, it sounds like from a lot of the story that you've shared with us so far today, you're you're pretty comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's that's a challenge. When you come to the fork in the road, there's least resistance and resistance. That's yeah. resistance. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to go head on. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's kind of a sick thing in my head. I'm actually paranoid of being comfortable. And I know that sounds stupid, okay. but it sounds like an oxymoron, but it's really not because I have a, I have a, a saying that once you're, once you're content, you can't grow. Yeah. So I'm always looking for, you know, things to take on. I mean, Brian, you saw the things I was talking to you about when I met you down in Florida, you know, and some of them are not even achievable, but I just want to have that in my head because why not? Yes. Correct. Not, not achieve, maybe not achievable yet. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like it's no dude, I love the growth mindset, you know, because you've got to be willing to be stretched a little bit and, and to grow a little bit and to learn new things. And, you know, I, I like what you're saying there about, um, you know, you're, you're almost fearful of being comfortable. It's like, I, I remember like when I was in high school or even college, I'd, I, I would write like my best essay the night before it was due. Same. Like, like if, yeah. like if I'd have tried to write that like three or four days before it was due, like that thing would have probably been garbage, but like I, I'm, it's, it's due on Friday on Thursday night at 10 o'clock. I'm still writing an essay, but 
that was going to be my best work. Did you just knock over a Coke? That was my beer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Even worse. Are you going to pick up the Coke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's empty now. <laughs> Damn Patriots mug. <laughs> shame, shame. <laughs> All right. But uh, you know, you know what I mean by that. Like sometimes you do your best work under pressure, but if you're always comfortable, mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe your best doesn't come out. So yeah, dude, I love that. So 2021, what are you? What are your branch goals? You, you're you're ambitious, obviously. You're already at 20 plus million. I mean, where 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 are you? What's the bar? What are you trying to hit? Okay, so I I don't have a numeric number because okay. I I really just I honestly guys I really don't think about the money. And I don't think about the numbers. I just think about wins. I try to keep it very simple, right? So, okay. but my goal is right now is to build out a processing team where I am so fluent with everything and automated. I want to be the closest to the fintech companies out there as possible with the idea that they get a benefit with somebody that actually cares for them, picks up the phone and gives them an advisory position. Right. Mm-hmm. So my goal is by the end of the year to have a completely streamlined automatic process as much as it can be without actually being a robot once they are under contract to clear to close. Okay. Um, my other goal would be that I want to primarily be purchase based and referral based to the point where it's a blue moon that I'm not doing alone in that that yeah. take because I believe that that's where the strength of stability comes into play. Not that I won't focus on the other loans, but my focus will always be purchases with my referral partners. And I want to give them the best asset to have them win more deals in this crazy market that I do think is going to be around on the seller side for at least another two years. Yeah. Okay. That so I, you, you made me I'm, think I'm of looking for a, the, the great tip. Like if, if, two years originating, right? Yeah. He's in the friend zone, which is great. It's 95% purchase, but where did you meet these people again? Realtors, were you going uh, to weekend open houses? Th- this was where, this is exactly where life. I was going to go because the other thing I'm asking is- You can't let me talk? Like I, mean, I am, I'm, we're, 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 you and I are having <laughs> I mean, a conversation. A, okay. So my yeah. thing is, is like he grew his business by double during a pandemic. Right. Like I wanna, I wanna know how. It's gotta be some phone yeah. work involved there, right? And, and um, <laughs> I, I don't think you're like out and about doing the one-on-ones, but a lot of, you know, dialing and, and I'm curious how many people or what your plan is as far as reaching out to people. I mean, I never made it a, uh, what's that Number. word, pro quid yeah. quo or quid quo pro quo, whatever. Like, I never made it like that. Like, I, I swear, very organic with my relationships and being friendships. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I just was getting lunch with one of my realtors, didn't talk business at all two hours ago. Like, right. um, just being there as a person that actually cares, you know, um, always showing them that it's not just about the business, you know, uh, just so many things. I mean, that's easy now, but my, my thing is two years ago, how did you start that initial relationship or is it somebody you've known for many, many years? I met them through honestly, just taking every opportunity you can get and running with it to the most extreme aspect. Right. So like when my branch manager at the time would introduce me to a realtor, I would make sure I got the Missouri. I would make sure that they were pre-approved. I would make sure I gave them another one. I would make sure I followed up with them. I would make sure that we talked. And if we got, and there was plenty of realtors that I didn't really develop a relationship with. So it's not like I forced it. If it wasn't there, it wasn't there. But it really does come down to the confidence factor too, where you're like, you know what? If this one doesn't work out, I don't need them. I'll go get another one. Mm -hmm. I never forced anything. Anything that is forced, anything that's not naturally done, I, I don't believe works. You know, so whether that's a deal closing, whether that's pushing a refinance that they really aren't benefiting, maybe they are slightly, right? They usually don't work out. There's usually some problems. They usually complain or something like that, right? Yeah. 
same thing with real relationships. If it didn't work out organically, I, I moved on to the next one. But what I did was I made sure I had that opportunity and I ran with it as much as I could. I would take them out to eat. I would meet up with them. If they had a an event with their kid, I would go. I would remember their birthdays. I remember special moments. I would ask them how their day was. I would ask, you know, talk to them about my day. Let them know that I'm a human being, not just a referral partner. And honestly, I, I can't stress that enough, how much realtors and other people in general do appreciate when you're not just talking to them like they're a money sign, you know? Yeah. Um, they really just want you to be there, respect you, you're, show them that you respect when they give you a client and that you're gonna call right. them and you're gonna right. make them money. And also showing you that you're not just gonna be calling them to get business, you're gonna be calling them and you're just gonna talk to them like a normal friend and then the business starts coming and then they want to help you because they see you as a friend and as an asset. They don't just see you as a way to make more money. And I, that has been my number one and number two and number three way of where I am at this business right now. Cool. Nothing so, else. So Greg, I, I got a couple of questions for you just as some follow up. One, um, you know, it sounds like you've got a lot of activities going on with your referral partners. You're going to lunch, you're playing golf, you know, you're yep. doing some things like that. Do you have any kind of system in place that helps you like kind of keep track of who you've talked to recently or who you need to reach out to? Like how, how do you know when it's time to make a touch and who to touch? I mean, not, not really because I'm trying, you know, it's, it's, it's organic. You know, mm -hmm. I, I have to go back to that. It, it's not about, like the, the four hammer balls and calling them every Monday and trying to make a coffee date. It's just about giving them business, receiving a referral back. Because this is how it is. You know, the, the realtor is always going to send you a deal or two that maybe is a little bit more difficult or a low FICO borrower or one with a really crazy problem because they want to see how you answer it, how you communicate. Can they really trust you that they're giving you someone that's going to be making them a paycheck and are you going to take care of them? Right. So, I mean, it, it really would just start at first with, you know, just talking naturally. Maybe I would send them a deal and talk to them and follow up with them and they would send me one back. And then as we're talking about those clients, we would get to the next step. Hey, so, all right. So for an example, how I know that this person is going to work out is when we have one deal together and I see that it went well, even if it didn't go to a contract, even if it was just, we, we found out that they weren't going to be able to buy, but everyone was on the same page and the person really liked how we operate. Now I know that I got someone with potential, right? It's someone that's going to benefit my business, but someone that I can also benefit as well because they want to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so once I had that established relationship, then I would focus on giving them more business and making sure that we were in communication constantly, right? Um, so it, it's not like a spreadsheet or anything like that. I mean, have I looked up realtors on, you know, like MMI, like we talked about to see people who mm -hmm. have good production? Absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. I mean, I do that all the time, right? Especially if I have like an internet lead that I, you know, I could sit, you know, that I, you know, I'm paying for internet leads and I want to try and get into a new town, right? Like for example, I wanted to get to the more Northern parts of counties of New Jersey because I felt like the counties by me, the shore area was very, very, very hard to get an offer accepted, right? Okay. Or, you know, the price points were getting to the point where most, if not all first time home buyers can't afford it. So what did I do? I didn't know any realtors in an area that's an hour and a half, two hours from me. So I would look on MMI, maybe look online on Facebook, on LinkedIn to see, you know, realtors that are really killing it up there, look up their information, 
use MMI to see if they really have established relationships with lenders. Are they giving the same lender 35, 40% of their business or are they all, all over the place? And if they were all over the place, mostly doing buyer sales and having good production, that would be somebody that I would add on Facebook, to try to start a conversation with, maybe send them a deal, recommend them when somebody asks for a realtor in the tons of Facebook groups, you know, anything I could do to spark a conversation, but also not make it look like I'm calling them to ask for coffee and sit down with them for 20 minutes. Yeah, sure. Cool. That's pretty much, you know, in the grand scheme of things of yeah. what I've done. Dude, nice but. job. So here's my last question for you while we wrap up. Maybe not. John's motioning yeah, that there might be another yeah. one. Okay. <laughs> so you've mentioned a couple of times, like, I don't necessarily have a number that I'm trying to make. I don't necessarily have like a goal for how much production I'm doing. I'm just, I'm like looking for wins. Can you give us like an example or some ideas of what a win is to you? Um, a win for me is constant growth. So I would say if I closed X the last three months, right? I want to close maybe 10 to 50% more the next month, right? Okay. I remember for an example, I like to align it with company goals too, as, you know, as, as crazy as it sounds. So like, I know that there was a big concern that you know a lot of people were doing more refis and purchases at the end of the fourth quarter mm -hmm. of 2020. So I was, you know, I saw my, my percentages and it looked like it was like the first quarter where I was doing more refinances and purchases. So I said, you know, I, I want to turn that around by next quarter. So that's a win for me, right? Yeah. Um, going to get loans, I mean, to me, it's just the constant flow. And obviously, that's a win every time you get a loan. But being able to focus on something and actually make that happen, that that's a win to me. So when I focused on getting more purchase business and I actually achieved that, that's a win to me. And having Carrie Houghton close more loans than she's ever had in her entire 10-year career with four months over at Van Dyke while she's working on my loans, that was a huge win for me. You know, um, she is extremely an extreme win for me right now. I, I would probably say that's the biggest win I have right now is the growth that I've seen through Carrie. Awesome. Um, awesome yeah. I mean, she's been in the industry for 10 years, right? She's always been a junior, you know, LLP, right? She's extremely good at what she does. Clients love her more than they love me. I don't even know why they use me over her. I mean, she's the <laughs> nicest person, you know? <laughs> Um, and the most she's ever closed probably, you know, in, in her career at a time is one or two loans a month. Nice. Now she comes over four months. She closed seven loans for 2 million in January. She's nice. closing five this month. She's closing four, five, six a month. She's happier. She's making more money. That's a win for me. Nice. You know, because that goes to, that, that vindicate, that validates to me that I know what I'm doing and it's not just all about me. It's yeah. about helping people. I'm saying now, now you're not just changing your life. You're changing other people's lives too. And the cool mm -hmm. thing, he still has time to play golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, dude, Greg, I got a, this is an important question. So buckle up for this one, man. You ready? Pin your ears back. Okay. Coffee you or energy drink? Coffee all day. <laughs> just trying to figure out where all the energy comes from my man <laughs> yeah right, man john you got anything I mean, else to add that was awesome what a great story yeah yeah greg anything you wish we'd have asked you no nah, man no nah, i think you covered a lot you know and i do have a tendency to talk a lot so i know you're gonna have to yeah. edit a lot of this so <laughs> 
Dude, we don't want to miss a single word. So listen, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. On behalf of Greg Morga, John Jones, I'm Brian Lovell. We want you to know if there's anything that you need. Keep it in the short grass. Break 90. Always here to serve. (laughs) Have fun. All right. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, guys. We're out. Thanks, Greg. Hey, great job, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. (laughs) I almost teared up. That's a great.